to me on here. Are we going? Cool. So, um, a few weeks ago, we started a small group and um, meet Tuesday nights. We've got another meeting coming up this week. Our focus really is about how we live out the kingdom in the world around us. So that's just a very slight ad in case you're looking for a small group. <laughs> but um, So we had our last meeting a couple of weeks ago, and you weren't actually in a great space for that meeting. Can you tell us what was actually happening? The afternoon after work, I just got something in my eye, and it was just so uncomfortable. Um, I p- squeezed lots of eye drops in to try and flush it out, but it was still there, and I didn't know if I'd be able to be in the meeting or have to go to after hours to get you know get it, my eye looked at. So, on a pain level, how was it? Uh, well, it was sort of painful, but yeah, really uncomfortable, and yeah. yeah. So one of the things we do at the end of our meeting is we do an activation, we do different things, and it just happened this week, we were doing healing. I don't know whether I had any influence with <laughs> how Denise was. So tell, me, tell us what happened um, at, during the activation healing time that we experienced. Um, yeah, just managed to get through the meeting, and then um, when you said, did anyone want prayer, I got prayer for what was stuck in my eye, and um, it went, the discomfort just went, so... So are yeah. we talking about a gradual shift or an immediate change? Probably Im- immediate, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. people prayed for you. Yeah. You had pain before they prayed, and after they prayed for you, completely gone. Yeah. yeah. And ha- has, it, has it come back? No, it hasn't come back. My, yeah. my eye was all bit kind of wrinkled from, you know, having rubbed it and touched it so many times, but, yeah, the discomfort was gone. Cool. Yeah. Isn't God good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Denise. Um, Jan Bovey, uh, if you're a, a new here, relatively new here or um, visiting, uh, Jan and Andrew are missionaries that we support overseas. They're part of this church and they're based in Thailand at the moment. And Jan has asked that we uh, pray for her as a church. So she's got um, an Achilles injury, a left shoulder injury, and fibromyalgia. So it is affecting her ministry. So can I just ask that we stand and collectively, let's pray for her because, you know, distance is nothing for God. And let's just, um, in fact, Jeanette, would you like to just grab that microphone leaders and pray for them, for her? Okay. Father, thank you that we can come to your throne of grace for mercy and grace in time of need. And Lord, you see uh, Jan's pain and you see this Achilles tendon that hasn't healed over many months. You see the leg that's got um, more and more pain. And Father, we bring this leg to you, her shoulder that's very painful, and the polymyalgia that gives her pain all over her body. And Lord, She's written and asked for prayer from the whole church. And so we lift her up in the name of Jesus as a combined body. We lift her to your throne of grace for your mercy, your healing power to be poured out in her right now in the name of Jesus. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you will touch her in this um, Achilles tendon that needs your healing touch, Lord. The cellulitis in the leg that's getting worse. Thank you, God. We pray that it be gone now in the name of Jesus, that you have the power and you've given us the authority for your healing. We believe you for a miracle today, Lord. For the pain in her shoulder, we ask that this pain 
Be yeah. gone. We command it to be gone in Jesus' name. We pray, Lord, your soothing, healing, anointing, the flowing oil of the name of Jesus to flow through every nerve and cell and muscle in her body that's yes. been tense and taut and in pain. Lord, for many years, we give this to you. The doctors aren't able to heal it, this polymyalgia, this pain that's constantly there all over her body. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we command it to be gone. You yeah. are the only yeah. healer. Yeah. You are the only one who has the authority to bring healing to this. We pray that Jan would know a miracle in her body right now because we pray combined and united in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your healing touch on her right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Jeanette. Please take a seat. So if you're visiting here today, my name's Robert Norris. I'm part of the leadership team here at church, and it's my privilege to share the message this morning. So I hope you're comfortable. I will see if you fall asleep. The, the message today I'm talking about is God's kingdom in the marketplace, and the marketplace being basically everywhere but here. So outside of these walls. And the main thing that limits our ability to influence the world around us, I think, are the wrong beliefs we have in our mind. Our journey through this life involves a constant renewing of our mind. Uh, you know, the Apostle Paul talks about that in Romans 12, how we need to renew our minds so that we can understand what God's good, pleasing and perfect will is. A constant renewing of the mind so we can experience transformation around us. This morning, I want to challenge some of the limits we have in our thinking about our marketplace, the place that we work, the place we go to school, the, our family, and what that marketplace could look like and how we can be involved in making it more like heaven. Allow me to ask you a rhetorical question. Have you ever considered what your workplace, your school, your sports club, or your family would look like if God was the king of that place and his kingdom held sway? Have you ever considered that? Some of you might really be hoping that happens quite urgently. <laughs> Let me ask you some questions again. You know, what might it look like? Would there be sickness? No. Well, at least if there was, they'd get healed. Would there be laughter? No, a third of the kingdom is joy. Now, just because you're not laughing doesn't mean that you haven't got joy, but if you've got joy, you will laugh. <laughs> There'll be laughter, you'll be having fun. Would people be chasing after dreams? God has wired us up with dreams. Part of how he created us. If, if God's kingdom is there, he'll be releasing us into the dreams and into our destiny and chasing future things that are out there that he's calling us into. Would it be an encouraging place? Someone say amen. amen. <laughs> Would there be generosity and needs being met through sharing? Yeah. Absolutely. And would God's manifest presence be there? Yeah, not... I don't know if it would be all the time, because if you go back to the Garden of Eden, you know, God was walked with them during the day. There wasn't always presence there, but his presence would certainly be there often. 
manifest presence. So have you ever looked at your marketplace and considered that it could be full of health and wholeness, joy and peace, generosity and dreams and opportunities, worship and God's presence? Here's an important thought. If you can't perceive your marketplace, your workplace, your school, your sports club, or your family ever being like this, then your lack of hope is a bigger problem than the state of where you are, the state of the marketplace where you are. Let me say that again. Our thinking and lack of hope and belief about a problem is actually a bigger problem than the problem. Jesus wants to change our perspective. He wants to elevate our thinking to a whole new level. He wants to shift our mindset to become full of hope and consider the possibilities of what God is capable of. You know, there is so much more that Jesus can do when we let him. There's many examples in the Bible of Jesus actually doing this to his disciples where he's trying to elevate his thinking and one of them is in John 4:35 when Jesus says do not say four months more and then the harvest I tell you open your eyes and look at the fields they are ripe for harvest now consider this the disciples grew up in a in a world where farming was was normal everyone knew everything about farming it was just part of life and so they knew that you had to actually and most of us will know this too they knew that you actually have to prepare the ground, you have to plough it, you have to do that, then you have to plant the seed, then you have to water the seed, then you have to sit back and wait for it to grow. And then finally when it's grown and mature, you can actually reap the harvest. And all that takes time, perhaps four months. And Jesus is trying to elevate their thinking. He's saying, don't think that you have to follow natural principles. Don't think that just because this is the way it's done in the natural and that you have to prepare the ground, plant, wait for it to grow up, and then you can harvest that that is the way that the kingdom of God works. There is higher levels that you can go to, and you can actually look and see that the harvest is ripe now, and even though you didn't prepare the ground, even though you didn't plant the seed, other people have done that work for you, and you can go and reap the harvest. And you can see change, and you can see transformation in the marketplace around your world. The possibility exists for each one of us in our marketplace if we start to shift our perspective, renew our minds, start to see things from God's perspective. You know, I love Sunday mornings. Good intro this morning, Carl. I enjoy getting down here about 8.30, Normally I have to bring William down, either he's on band or he's on service coordination, so that means getting down here at 8.30, uh, which I don't mind these days because I, I go into the presence, intercession and thanks room, which is we call the pit, <laughs> for short. <laughs> presence, intercession and thanks room, called the pit. <laughs> you know, at, at our last weekend we had our eldership time away and one of the it was a fantastic time, and you're going to hear bits and pieces of that coming out over the, over the next while. And one of the great thoughts that we had is we want to turn that room into a 24-7 prayer room. Yeah. 
and we're starting on that process. It may take some time, there's a few logistical things we have to work out, but you know, wouldn't it be awesome just any time to be able to come down there and, and just get into God's presence and pray? And We, we had that over at Bethel, the um, prayer house there is just an awesome place for God's presence. And there's just constantly people there. Anyway, I'm getting distracted. What? <laughs> Seeing the future. So, you know, I, I come down there at 8.30 now and I turn some music on and just start soaking in God's presence and then about 9 o'clock other people start coming. You're welcome to come earlier if you like, by the way. And, and, and you know, it just everything starts to increase as you get more people involved. And the other Sunday we almost got into trouble because God's manifest presence was there so strong we almost forgot about starting the service. I don't know whether you picked that. That was about four or five weeks ago. Anyway, so it goes good. But then we get to come in here and there's, you know, we're all joining in and we're worshipping and Katie, you did an awesome job this morning. That was great. It just took us great into God's presence. And then we get to listen to fantastic preachers. <laughs> you know, I love Sunday morning. It's just great. But we... Um, sorry, I need to catch up with my notes. But Sunday morning isn't the, the totality of following Christ. It's just a very small part of it. Following Jesus is 24-7. Yeah. And we continually need God with us. We need Him 24-7. You see, following Christ requires faith. And typically at church, you know, we, need, we often need some faith, but I, I think it's actually relatively easy to be a Christian at church. Is that fair? <laughs> yeah. But when we step out of these doors and we go into the marketplace, that's where we really need faith. where we work, where we go to school with our family and friends, playing sport at the, at the mall, in the supermarket, at a party. These are the places where we really need our faith, being a Christ follower 24-7. You see, God has called us to be a people of influence in the marketplace. He has called us to spread and grow His kingdom. Activate His authority. Demonstrate His goodness. Represent Jesus. And if you're a Christian, he has not only called you to do that, he has given you the tools you need to do it. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. We don't have to live under limitation. We can renew this thing up here, this mind, and actually take the limitation off and see God do amazing things in the marketplace around us. As I've mentioned the last time I talked, I'm on a journey discovering what it really means to live a lifestyle of trying to keep connected to God, follow Him 24-7, take risks, and release, release the kingdom around me. It is a bit scary. But God hasn't made me a slave to fear. We, think about, we sing about that. You know, I thought I was living a reasonable Christian life before I started on this journey in the past. And I've come to realize that actually that was quite a passive 
Christianity. I would respond to situations. I would try to do the right Christian thing with what was happening around me and and just allow circumstances to occur and then try to respond the way a Christian should. The difference now is I'm trying to be proactive. I'm trying to look at the world around me and saying, how can I influence that to release the kingdom of God? And it's a difference up here that has to change to see that happen. During the week, I was in a supermarket and noticed a man walking with a white cane. So, and so I assume had a problem with his sight. In the past, I probably wouldn't have given him a second thought or second glance. But now, my, this time, my spirit was stirred and I thought, wouldn't it be cool to pray for him and see him healed? I'm sad to say, <laughs> I'm not quite as bold as Mike Button. I didn't stop and pray for him. But, you know, I celebrate the fact that I'm making progress and noticing these people and getting stirred by the Spirit of God about their needs. My problem at the moment is I still worry about what will happen if I offer to pray for someone and nothing happens. Anyone relate to that? So I'm trying to learn how to play the worry game. Anyone ever heard of the worry game? We all know how to worry, right? (laughs) Steve and Wendy Backlund of Igniting Hope Ministry teach what they call the worry game. You know, most of us are really good at worrying about what could go wrong if we do something. And so we often don't do things. You know, there's this steep slope going down and we're on the mountain bike. Uh, I might fall off so I don't go down. <laughs> There's this person walking with a white cane. If I pray for them, you know, nothing may happen. They could get offended. I look like an idiot, which is really the heart of the problem. And that's our default for worry. But the worry game flips that around and you actually start worrying about what would happen if it, something went right. What would I do if they actually got healed? (laughs) What would happen if I actually managed to get down that slope? It's a whole new perspective. It's shifting the mindset so that we actually think differently. We need to shift our thinking. We need to actually be the church in the marketplace. What is the church? The word church is a translation from the Greek word ecclesia. And in Bible times, the word ecclesia meant this, an assembly of citizens duly convened. In the New Testament, this word ecclesia is translated as church quite often, but it was also used in secular senses um, in the Bible, and the same is translated as assembly. Often there would be a people in a town meeting together, as an assembly of of people, and the word ecclesia was used and translated as assembly. Originally it was used by the Greek, then the Romans took over the use of that word, and they used it to define the way a community would function. So when Jesus was wanting to launch an organization that was going to take 
the kingdom of God into the future, he didn't use words that came from the temple. And he didn't use words that came from the synagogue. He used secular words to describe what he wanted the church to be. He used the word ecclesia. Why is this important? The Romans at that time had developed a process and a philosophy that was designed to transform other nations so they started to look and function like Rome. And the church, the ecclesia, is to do the same. Transform a society, that it, not so that it begins to look like Rome, but it starts so that it starts to look and function like heaven, God's kingdom. And within that, uh, uh, within that terminology that the Romans were using, they had another word which was covetous. And that was just a word they used to describe a function of the ecclesia. And what covetous meant was that if you had two or more Roman citizens in the same place, then the full, it was assumed that the full power and presence of Rome was activated in that place. Which is exactly when, if you remember in the book of Acts, uh, Paul was uh, standing there and uh, there's a bit of a thing going on and a centurion came along to arrest Paul and take charge and Paul said, declared that he was a Roman citizen and now you had two Roman citizens there and the centurion got afraid because the full power and authority of Rome was right in that point and so if the centurion did anything wrong, he was in trouble. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 18 when he says, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything in uh, anything, sorry, again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. So Jesus started something called the Ecclesia, the church, what we're part of. And he said, wherever the two or more of you are together, where there's a covetous, then full power and authority is there. And we actually carry that power and authority to go out into the world and transform it to bring the kingdom of heaven down to earth. The focus of Rome was to transform the known world to be like Rome. And, you know, we still have influence from that today. The focus of the church is to transform the world into a, to be, into a place where God's kingdom is recognized and followed. Let me ask you again, have you ever thought about what your marketplace, your work, your family, your school, your sports club could be like if it, was, if it became more like the kingdom of heaven? Have you ever thought about that? And have you ever thought that you actually carry the power and authority to release that into that place? Now, this type of thinking does require faith. But not only is it possible, it is actually God's will. In Matthew 6, Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer and he says this, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's God's will. This prayer is about the marketplace where we interact with people, 
activating God's will on earth uh, as in heaven is God's will for your life. To actively pursue the transformation of where you spend most of your time is being in God's will. And what is our role? From the creation of the world, God's call on mankind was to rule and reign, to plan, to dream, discuss, and spread God's goodness from the Garden of Eden throughout the whole planet. And at the fall, we gave away this right, and all of creation has suffered since. The kingdom of God, when we come into a relationship with Jesus, restores what was lost and redeems us back to God. And in so doing, restores our authority so that we can co-partner with God and see God's goodness increase through the earth once again. Our responsibility being the marketplace. Consider what the Apostle Paul said in Romans. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The change that we can bring is so much better than what is present. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. Creation, the marketplace around you, is actually waiting for you and me to bring heaven down to earth. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from the bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. God has, has ordained his freedom to be released through you. Wherever your marketplace is, God has given you the authority and the resource to influence that world so that God's kingdom starts to hold sway. Paul also said in 2 Corinthians, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. This means that wherever we are, we are the church. We have the authority and the responsibility to see God's kingdom activated. It isn't about how talented or intellectual or good-looking we are. Thank goodness for that. It is simply down to the fact that God has placed us in our marketplace and he says to us, I trust you. Go for it. I'll empower you to do it. What is our key responsibility? It is actually to shepherd people. If you can get around your head around this, you'll find it revolutionary. You, know, you could be the CEO of a company like, like me, a tradesperson, a factory worker, or the cleaner. You could be a teacher, a student, or a housewife. Whatever you do, if you're a Christian, a Christ follower, the people you regularly meet with, they're your sheep, and you are their shepherd. You have the authority and the responsibility to pastor them, care for them, pray for them, and pray with them. Heal them, deliver them from the influence of the evil one. Encourage them, release peace and joy. In essence, release the kingdom of God. And God has given you the Holy Spirit so you can do this. Our thinking needs to shift, church. 
One of the things I love about being in God's presence is that he is constantly renewing my mind. And one God thought can change the world. One God thought can change your world. You know, we think that pastors only pastor Christians and everyone else needs an evangelist to save them. Now that I'm on this journey, I'm beginning to understand that God doesn't look at people necessarily as saved or unsaved. You know, he just sees people. He sees people who want to experience his love and goodness or need to experience his love and goodness and we get to impart it. Now, of course, there is a judgment day and everyone will be judged based on what the decision they've made about Jesus. And that is incredibly important that people do come into a relationship with Jesus, that they receive the forgiveness that only he can give so they can spend eternity in heaven continuing on that experience. But it's not the total picture. Have you ever wondered why it's so hard for many of us to share the gospel with people, the good news about Jesus, and see them come to faith? I think it's because we get focused on a one-off event, getting people across the line of salvation. Now, that is important, but it's not the total picture. I'm realizing that a job is to get people to experience God's goodness, to experience his kingdom, and in so doing, help them realize their need for a savior so they can be free from guilt, shame, and punishment. And as people encounter Jesus this way, the Holy Spirit will convict them of sin, and they will surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Our job is to release the kingdom. You know, you may not, they may not realize that, you, that we are their shepherd, but God says these people are our sheep. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Um, you know, it, it, I, I, run, I own a company, and the other day I was coming, came down to work on a Saturday, and one of my staff was building a camper van. So he's down there working on it and his, and his partner was there helping him and she's damaged her ankle quite, quite badly so she's hobbling around trying to help him put things in place and that and, and as I came around the corner I saw him there I, I thought you know I should pray for her for healing and I chickened out it's a process it's a journey we're all on we're growing but you know on other occasions I've got a, another staff member who has got um major marriage situations he's going through and difficulties with being able to see his kids and all that sort of stuff never been in church in life has no idea whether God exists or not I've sat and prayed with him three times now and see things actually shift in his life and just just the other day one of the one of um, my administrators she was complaining of a problem with her shoulder and, and quite a lot of pain there and she, she enjoys sport and so she's not able to do a lot of the stuff that she enjoys doing. And so I told her about John Scott's story of how God's healed his shoulder and said, you know, Jesus can do this. Would you like me to pray for you? And she said, oh, yeah, okay. And so I said, well, let's do it now. So, so we pray, I, I prayed for healing for her shoulder and she noticed some improvement. Not total healing, but there was improvement. And she said, you know, no one's ever done that for me. That was cool. 
So no one's ever done that for me before. That was pretty cool. You know, taking steps of faith, seeing society transform. God has placed you where you are because he sees you as the best person to bring that transformation. He trusts you. He believes in you. He empowers you to do it. Releasing the kingdom, you know, we can pray for the sick. We can encourage people. We can counsel people. We can give people a hug. Jesus said, even if you give a cup of water to someone in his name, you're releasing the kingdom. We can release righteousness, peace, and joy. Bring heaven to earth. So like me, are you willing to take this journey to discover what it means to actually release the kingdom and change the marketplace you're in? Scary? but exciting and God is with us um, if, you, if, you're, if you're on board and you want to do that can I just ask that you um, pray with me right now and let's actually just declare that to God as we do perhaps just fo- follow me as I, as I pray Jesus we're yours Lord, we we thank you that you have given us dreams and a purpose. And Jesus, we want to see your kingdom come. In the world that we live in, in our marketplace, we want heaven to come down to earth. Lord, we acknowledge that we're afraid but we also acknowledge that you gave us your Holy Spirit. And we are willing to step into our future, to take risks and see the world change. Release the harvest before us as we go. Amen. I'm going to invite... um, we're going to do things a little bit differently. I've invited I've asked Seb Norman and Tara Morris and John Scott to come up. Ask them to actually be seeking God for a prophetic word. So if they can come up and share that now. And the, perhaps the band can come up as well. Um, so I, I started asking God for a word, and I, I felt him say, um, he actually pointed me back to one I got a few weeks ago. Um, sometimes we can move on from things he said to us, um, and we're looking for the next new word, when actually he's just saying, I've already spoken to you on something, rest in that and steward it. Um, so I've got um, 